I love this. We have somebody logged on already who's renamed herself Unicorn Sparkles. That's fantastic. <laughs> that is so, so good. Um, hello, room one. It is five o'clock and we will get rolling here. Um, I hope everybody's doing really well and I hope you're all enjoying your summer. Things have been so crazy at my hospital and I'm sure it's just that sort of like nationwide mass exodus of nurses and techs and all this stuff. And it is crunchy at the hospital. It feels like every little bit of time we have there is so precious to get things done because I'm just waiting for them to be like, well, we can't do any elective cases anymore because we just don't have any nurses. Anyway, that was just a little bit of me venting. Um, let's continue with the unicorn sparkles, um, the unicorn sparkles theme, and we will go with magic confetti for you. And we already have somebody volunteering, so let me um, allow you to talk. Okay. Hi, Magic Confetti. <laughs> Hi, awesome name. <laughs> somebody already joined. I don't know if you guys can see each other in the list, but somebody joined and named herself Unicorn Sparkles, and I'm like, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what's up? And, well, I may need to pass off a baby, but um, so I, I'm, I feel like I figured out my model that I have, which tends to be one of my default one uh, or my default model at the moment for a situation. And I think I know what I want my intentional model to be, but I can't get there. So I need help with some bridging or something. Um, Take a look. This is fantastic. (laughs) So I have a big case tomorrow. That's one that's kind of a trigger for me because I've had a bad complication from it in the not so distant past. Mm -hmm. Like I think I've done, you know, maybe a couple since then of this particularly challenging case, but um, it was, it was a bad complication. And anyway, so it's kind of a triggering situation. Yeah. Um, So I'm kind of like fearful. I guess is the the feeling that comes up of this case coming up tomorrow. Yeah. Um, and I th- I think generally my kind of default thought that I'm thinking is probably driving it is the not good enough. Um, you know, worried if I'm good enough to do the surgery, if I should have sent her to kind of a more specialist or, um, yeah, I don't know. And then. And anyway. let me, can I ask you, is it like, is it, you're like, I can't, I'm not good enough to do this case without a complication or is it, um, is there something more or is it just like, I'm not good enough? I don't know. Maybe. Cause, because I think the, the action or result is that I start like pulling out other things that I'm not, you know, like I go to other areas of my life that I'm Oh yeah, not good enough or whatnot. I mean, it, that might not I don't know. Maybe that thought isn't exactly right then, but it, I don't know. It, it's got to well, come from somewhere in that, I think. Yeah, a hundred percent. Because what we do is, is we have a thought and our brains just so want to be right that we're then going to find evidence to prove it right. So you're definitely going to, if your model, if your T is, I'm not good enough in any way, shape or form, then for sure, one of your actions is going to be find every way, every other aspect in my life where I'm also not good enough. Yeah. Okay. So what else are you doing? Um, just stuck. (laughs) Like I can't, I don't know. And so I'm kind of doing tasks that aren't necessarily priorities just to Mm. feel like getting something done. But I'm kind of realizing I'm like, that's not really, you know, like making my husband's appointment for him is not really a top priority when I'm feeling super stressed and exhausted. So like, why is that what I'm choosing to do at the moment? I don't know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's also super normal, right? Like we distract ourselves with busyness. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
And then you mentioned the word stuck. So what action or inaction is kind of around that word stuck? Like, are you not, are you basically avoiding thinking about the case? Maybe, or maybe avoiding feeling the discomfort or the fear or the, I don't know. Um, Yeah, maybe just kind of fearful enough that I'm also not like, doing a great job preparing myself for the case you know like I kind of just finally be reviewing imaging and um I don't know (laughs) yep that makes sense and then so what's the result that you came up with in your model um mostly just that I'm kind of finding ways that I'm not good enough exactly that's right you know like yeah Congratulations. You just graduated from coaching. (laughs) Well, that's, it's one that I've had before. (laughs) So I was like, "Hmm, I wonder if that's what's going on. Probably because that would be standard for me. So let's look a little deeper. I know you want to have, you said you have your intentional model already. Sort of. I mean, I think it's one that you've kind of given to me before of the, the, thought wanting to be like having my own back and Mm -hmm. you know even if a complication does happen because it is a particularly tough case and the patient factors are really tough also Mm -hmm. you know that even if it does I want to know that I prepared the best I could and got a good night's sleep and you know did all the things and I don't know. It's just not, I, uh, I'm having a hard time believing that when I'm trying to yeah. think that thought. <laughs> so that's okay. So let's put a pin in that for a second and dig a little bit deeper into this, the, you know, kind of the current model. And if you feel comfortable to share with us any more um, details around what you experienced around the complication, we don't have to know what the complication is. But can we understand like what you experienced around that time? Because we want to understand, is your body having a normal trauma response to a complication? Maybe. I don't know. Um, what do you mean by like, so, what else? there was a lot going on at the time um, that the complication happened as far as like being uber pregnant Um I don't remember exactly how far along I was, but it was, you know, pretty close to going out on maternity leave. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't um, know. I guess do, you, quite... do you blame yourself for the complication happening in the first place? Probably because it was an elective case that I took on. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess maybe a part of that situation too, is that that one was also a particularly complicated like it's a tough case but then on top of it it was a patient with a lot of comorbidities and the cardiologist had actually made a comment of like maybe this is someone who should be sent out to you know somewhere that has more of like the cardiac resources in case she has a cardiac complication and mm-hmm. and it wasn't actually a cardiac complication that ended up being the problem it was it just it was essentially my surgery not being good enough <laughs> Well, I mean, I don't think we need to prove that right or wrong, but because there, there are, it was a technical complication essentially at the end of the day. (laughs) So, and then were you able to learn from that case and add to your armamentarium of, you know, knowledge and skill? I think so. I guess I haven't done a ton of them since though. Um, Um, How long ago was it? Um, it was probably like nine or 10 months ago. And then did you go to work every day in between then and now? Uh, no, I had a maternity leave in between. So for nine months for no, for like a good, like three, four months of that. Okay. So for, so three or four months, you have maternity leave and then you've been back now for some months operating and stuff. So would you say that you're the same person you were then or a different person? (laughs) Um, a different person, probably. To, I mean, to certain extents. Yeah, but, and so, in what ways are you different yeah. now than you were then? Uh, I have another and, human in my life. Yeah, so <laughs> I'm just 
I'm just trying to pull this stuff out so we can kind of draw a distinction between who you were then and who you are now. Yeah. So you're a mom and you're caring for this Mm -hmm. other child and you've certainly done work. And so you've developed, I mean, every day that we go to work, we, we basically practice repetitions. We strengthen the surgery muscle every single day we go to work. Yeah. Um, Certainly there have been other challenging instances that you've had to encounter both personally and professionally, especially if you're a new mom. Well, second kid, so not. (laughs) Okay, second new mom. Yeah. I mean, it's good counts, sister. (laughs) Anytime you bring a human into the world. Um, So you're different now. And so I wonder, though, if that was such a, an important event in your life that are, could you now be fearful because you're having like some degree of like post-traumatic stress reaction? Like, we don't need to call it a syndrome or pathologize it, but like of that, like, does your nervous system feel activated? Um, probably. Yeah. Like while I'm talking about it. Yeah. Yeah. And so what does that feel like when your nervous system's activated? <laughs> Crappy. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, just anxious. I don't know. Um, so a lot of times when you know, I feel anxious or when I talk to clients that feel anxious, they'll have like shallow breathing, like really tight chest, sometimes yeah. they feel nauseated. Um, sometimes they'll feel like a rapid heart rate. They'll feel hot. Does any of that resonate with you? Yeah. Great. Now talking about it for like, like tight chest and warm and. And here's yeah, something. Oh, go, ahead. go ahead. I think I should say probably most of those things. Yeah. So here's something that I find super interesting is that like now you're having some reaction, whether it's a post-traumatic stress reaction or just like, you know, like normal human, I'm scared because this bad thing happened in the past and I don't want it to happen again. And it's complicated and hard. So it's probably, you know, fearful facing just a hard thing to do. Like any hard thing can kind of present us with fear. Um, But what's really fascinating is this idea that those responses that you're having irrespective of if it's a trauma response or just like a natural fear response is your body's protective mechanism. And isn't it interesting that in your intentional model, you said you want to have your own back as either the thought or the result, but in a sense, you already have your own back because you're having like a normal protective response. Like your body is already trying to protect you and your brain is already trying to protect you. And I feel like we spend so much time in resistance against these <laughs> negative feelings and negative thoughts that it just kind of like amplifies it all. When in reality, it's like, oh, yeah, man, like it's all happening for a very good reason because there's something for me to be afraid of. Yeah. And like just experiencing that for what it is, which I think is quite remarkable. And, um, it's like an internal resource we have that we can't turn off. And, uh, it's just like remarkable that we can do that. But then when we go through like this avoidance of it and, and then that's one way that it'll amplify. Or if we start finding all the other areas in our lives where something, it's like, it just gets out of control and it is so much more uncomfortable. So if it was just fear alone, that you could just feel, I wonder if it wouldn't be that bad. Meaning like there's got to be more to it, like some kind of a stress response sort of thing. Well, mean, yeah, but also meaning that like when we feel it, then we immediately go in, like we immediately go into this spiral of all these actions to not feel that way. And it just makes it worse. Yeah. So I wonder if there's a way to interrupt the, between the feeling and the action and just like be, be, be afraid and just 
allow your body to have that protective response that it has and just be afraid. Can you even imagine doing something like that? <laughs> Not really. I know. It's really, really scary. I mean, for brief, for brief moments, but that doesn't feel productive as far as, you know, preparing and getting a good night's sleep and stuff. But yeah, I, I totally guess maybe understand. That I worry that that'll get in the way, you know, if I, I know. right. But that's also like, it's funny yeah. because all of the stuff that you mentioned in your A-line is also not going to contribute to a good night's sleep. Yeah. So let's look at this one other way before we move to your intentional model and then try to draw your bridge. Um, what do you think this fear is signaling to you? And so I've said this before a number of times on these calls where our feelings are important that they can be kind of signaling something to us about a value that you may have or a need you have or a desire that you have. So Mm. can you identify any way in which this fear is trying to message something to you? Um. I guess the one kind of joint thought that goes with the not good enough fear that would be a message that I don't want to hear Mm -hmm. uh, would be like essentially to get out of this job. But, but I know that, and I do have that every once in a while when things get tough, they're like, holy crap, I can't do this. And I just, and I feel like I've gotten better at that because I, I do want to do it. I do think that when I'm thinking more clearly and in a better space, that it's something that for the most part I am good at. I just have a hard time thinking of those examples, I guess. Yeah. That's really fascinating though. So like, I think if I'm hearing you right, maybe the fear is signaling to you, could there be something else that's meant for my life besides this? (laughs) Maybe. Like Hmm. it's one way to phrase it. Like I need to get out of this job, but it's a different way to phrase it. Like maybe there's something more for me. And maybe there is, and maybe there isn't, I don't know, but it's kind of just fun to think about. It's kind of just fun to give meaning to our feelings and just kind of get curious about what it is your body is trying to communicate to you. And, you know, I don't know. I don't know what your body's trying to communicate to you, but it's only in those moments where we're truly listening. Do we ever really learn about ourselves? So I just want to point that out because there might be something to learn from the fear. So I'll just put here like question mark. Is there more for me? I don't know. I feel like that comes from the fear though. It was just kind of feeding into it. Like, am I really not good enough to do this and I should do something else, which normally I don't feel. So yeah, maybe it's proving ways to myself that I do think that I'm good enough for this job (laughs) in general. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure if we listed, there's going to be plenty plenty of evidence to suggest that you are good enough. And then let's just talk about that too. Like, what does it, what does good enough mean? And what are we really talking about? Is it like (laughs) skills or is it like good enough human being? That's a really good question. Probably both to a certain extent. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Never seems kind of silly that that's the part I've never really thought about I guess because I think skills is something that's modifiable right human being you are absolutely a hundred percent good enough period without question with or without complications with or without um anything I mean it's just a given and I think if it's skills It's like not that big a deal, but if we're questioning our worth as a human being, that is big. It probably does come down to that or insecurities with that kind of related to like childhood 
messaging and things. Yeah, it always does. (laughs) It always does. So then, so then that's where you can also get curious. It's like, oh my gosh, what am I equating to my human worth here? Like, and it's going to be probably a little different for all of us, but you know, what messages have you received in your life that you've downloaded into your psyche, like either voluntarily or involuntarily that now are just on repeat that are contributing to this question? Because if I, as I look at you and know you, I'm like, I know you're worthy. I know that a hundred percent. I know you're good enough. I know that your skills as a surgeon have nothing to do with it, but that can be a really challenging thing to kind of like get some space around in your own consciousness. Yeah. And I really appreciate you bringing this to the group today because it's a common problem that we all face as these complicated cases. Um, And I feel like this comes up a lot where we're like, am I good enough to do this? Um, And I also would like to invite people to consider, do I want to do this? Um, Because there's so much in our lives that we just think we should do for X, Y, or Z reason. And maybe at the end of the day, you would want to anyway, but it's a much different question when you're like, do I want to versus I should. So there's those couple of things. And then I think it was really good to go through your model to show people how we want to dig into that T line and be like, okay, well, what is the message that you're really giving yourself? Is it that I'm not good enough in skills or not good enough as a human, which are very different things. And then also what your emotions can signal to you. Okay. So now thank you for bearing with me. Now let's go to your intentional model and see what you have so far. So it's a big case. We're not going to change the seed. We know you had a complication in the past. And so if you could think or feel any way about it, what would that be? Confident. Confident. Okay, great. Prepared. (laughs) Prepared. Is one more powerful to you feeling like if we're using that energy or if we're using the feeling as your energy or your fuel for this model, um, is one of those more powerful for you as you kind of think about that? I think confident. Okay. So what would you need to think to feel confident? Well, initially I thought it was the having my own back, but I don't know if that's quite enough or quite right. Okay. So that's not really resonating for you. Um, what else comes up like around confidence, anything else bubbling up? Good enough. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Worthy, I guess. Yeah. I'm good enough. I'm worthy. Let me ask you this. Have you handled other situations in your past that were complicated? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, and then you do have some of those experiences under your belt. We already know from your first model that your body is trying like hell to take care of you because it's doing this like internal resourcing of your fear response. So, knowing that your body's going to take care of you and you have experience of handling complicated things in the past. How does it feel to think along the lines of, um, like can do hard things, right? That's exactly right. Like I'm built for this. Yeah. Like you're literally built for it. Um, I can do hard things. I do do hard things. Um, Like no matter what happens, I can figure it out. Um, You 
you could even like harness the power of the complication to be like, I'm so much better prepared for this now that I have experienced a complication in this case. I look at the, I can, I have the ability to look at this case with so much more focus and keener, like a keener um, eye, for lack of a better term, you know, because I've had this experience. Like there's a hundred different things that I think could generate confidence. So like, as we kind of discuss these things, what lands for you? Um, is I think more just being able to handle hard things just in general. Because yeah. uh, I do know that I have examples of that. I do know I've done a lot of hard things and even... I think it's less so technically learning from the procedure, but learning how to cope with that complication. Which is a hard thing. Yeah. Having uh, fear facing, you know, like, <laughs> it's so true. And then like having the fear and that response that you describe in your first model is also a hard thing. Like all you handle hard shit all the time and you have a couple kids and you probably don't get a lot of sleep and you're just like facing the world, like some kind of a freaking Navy seal. <laughs> Damn right. You handle hard things. Okay. So when you think that thought, does that help produce confidence? Yeah. And I like putting it in the present tense. Like I can handle hard things just like kind of makes it sound future, but like, if you already do it, it's already happening. Like you're literally already handling hard things right in this moment. And then when you feel confident, what do you do? Do the things that I should like prepare and get a good night's sleep and stop avoiding (laughs) the hard things. Yeah. And then like, maybe don't judge yourself as much. Yeah. Unless, of course, you really love doing hard things and you want to make it harder because adding judgment makes it harder. (laughs) And then so your result is you handle the hard things. That's so good. So now the question is, I guess, for you moving forward is how to get from point A to point B, which can be the hard part. Yeah. Yeah. And here's the funny thing is we use these models to just understand and uncover what our brains are offering us and what our brains could potentially do with some direction. And it's not like the first default model really goes away and it doesn't even need to. All we really need is just a little bit more flexibility to move in and out of it. Because if the first one's built out of fear, you're, unless you have like some kind of a brain surgery, your limbic system is always going to produce fear in times where there's something to fear. So it's unrealistic to think that we can just like wipe out the first. But what's really realistic is to think, okay, now I know that this is what I'm doing. And now I know that this is a normal human response and you can actually even thank your body and your brain for taking care of yourself and like accepting it as a part of being a human being and be like, okay, it's, you know, this response is happening again, right on cue, no problem. Now let me see if I can intentionally just move my spotlight a little bit and just understand a broader perspective. And you don't even have to make it go away. You can just be like, okay, thank you. And also this is possible. And I think part of the reason why it's so hard to get to an intentional model is, is because we're trying to erase the other model and like not ever have it happen, but that's not realistic at all. And so really what we want to do is just practice the agility of moving between the two. Because that is something that's like a major superpower. So anytime fear comes up, you're like, oh, there it is again. This isn't a problem. I know how to move out of this. 
And when I move back into it, it won't be a problem because I know how to move out of it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. And that makes way more sense than just trying to get rid of the initial. Because, yeah, that's what I was like. I'm like, that doesn't work. I can't do it. It doesn't work. And it takes the pressure off. If you're like, oh, I can just let it be there. It's not not an issue. Yeah. Okay. That was so good. Thank you, Magic Confetti, for volunteering. I think everybody's going to like that one. Alrighty. I'm going to lower your hand and then um, we can see if anybody else um, has anything to say. Oops. Okay. So we have 30 more minutes and that was awesome. I'm so happy that Magic Confetti brought that to us. Um, Does anybody else have anything to talk about? Um, I just renamed you. Okay, let me allow you to talk here. Um, Hello. Hi, Watermelon Mist. Hi. That sounds like a seltzer or something. (laughs) So I'm obsessed with Harry Styles, and I absolutely love his song Watermelon Sugar, but I don't exactly know what it means. I thought it might kind of be like maybe sexual in some way. So I was like, maybe I shouldn't say that. (laughs) Watermelon mist as the newest uh, LaCroix flavor will be better. Yeah, exactly. That's what it sounds like. How are you? Not bad. How are you? Good. Thank you. Um, All right. So this is something I think I keep coming back to over and over again. And it almost seems like I go in cycles. And yeah (laughs) it's a common theme of the brain and of coaching as I realized so um I I I think at one point I've talked about how um coaching has has helped a lot because I haven't actually changed a lot in my life like Mm -hmm. I still have the same job the same family the same house the same you know everything and I would say instead of like always being in a, in a, you know, I've just changed my thoughts. Right. So instead of always being kind of in a, in a bad place or worse or hating life, Mm -hmm. I'm in a better place. Um, maybe 50, 60, sometimes, you know, 70% of the time, but then there's always this still where it seems to cycle back around where I'm like, ah, I just don't know if I like what I'm doing right now, (laughs) you know? And, and I think, some of that we've talked about, like life is 50, 50. And, and so maybe it's just riding out those bad days. Cause I'm not sure I actually want to change anything, mm-hmm. but then there are some days where I'm like, I just want to change my life completely. I, am I making any sense? A hundred percent. So there's a couple yeah. things that I just was going to mention, like initial thoughts I had in response to what you just said. Number one, isn't it interesting how, our modern life is completely divorced from natural cycles that have been present in the human existence for Mm -hmm. centuries. Mm -hmm. And I feel like our bodies and brains and the whole shebang is so much more intelligent than we could ever imagine. And there is this like, it's just, it's like a natural rhythm that I feel like our bodies are designed to function in and maybe even be optimized in. So like, just take the sleep wake cycle, for example. Uh And there's an, there's the cycles of the seasons and the cycle of the moon and the cycle of whatever solar system stuff is out there. There are these rhythms that have been at play forever. And if you listen to podcasts or do any studying about like ancient cultures, they they kind of went with the flow. Like they just let their bodies kind of like function along with whatever was happening in nature. And we don't do that. (laughs) So we're going like balls to the wall all the time, bright fluorescent light. Like we're completely inside all the time. And we have to get super intentional about kind of getting in touch with those rhythms. But I wonder Mm -hmm. if part of what you're describing is, is just like a natural rhythm of life. We're just sometimes stuff feels kind of off. 
Yeah, I think you might be hitting the nail on the head for me because when I decide I like when I get into a mode where I want to change my life, I like literally want to build a house and go off the grid. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Leave everything behind. So this is really cool though, because that could be a clue of an area to do more investigation for yourself. Like, what is it that would really light you up around that? And maybe it doesn't mean that you like quit your job and move to Montana, but could there be little things that you could do just to kind of get you into more of a natural rhythm or whatever feels good for you? Mm -hmm. Because I feel like our bodies scream out for it. And most of the time we're like, shut up. I'm going to keep going. Yeah. It's, and this is just me making excuses, but it's so hard (laughs) to slow down and go against the grain and, and hold Mm -hmm. to those, you know, other way of doing things, you know? Yes. And then, you know, what happens? People get sick. Yes. I know. And if I'm not mistaken, you're one of our beautiful surgeons who does have some kind of an underlying, um, condition. Am I right? Yes. Yeah. I have Crohn's. Okay. So even that, that also might be, I don't know, like I'm not your doctor, obviously, and I'm not trying to be your doctor. And I also am not trying to be your shaman, but the, the idea behind there being these cycles, I think is true. And like, what would happen if we just kind of like went with them instead of decided that when they're, when you're not feeling well, or when things are feeling off, like, don't make that mean that something has gone wrong. It's like, oh yeah, like this is totally supposed to be happening. And I wonder what more I can learn about myself now that I'm just feeling kind of like wonky in this time. Yeah, maybe lean into it more. Mm-hmm. Um, our lives are so scheduled, it's tough to adjust with it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yes. I was actually thinking about this the other day because I've been like experimenting a ton and I've made a lot of intentional changes to allow room in my life to do it. And I realized that a lot of people aren't in a position to either want or be able to open up that space for themselves. But I cut down, I cut back on clinical hours, mostly to do coaching. But what I realized is, is it's allowed me more flexibility with like my sleep wake cycle, which I Mm -hmm. think for us is all kind of unique, even though like technically speaking, we're supposed to be these diurnal creatures. Um, is that the right word where we like respond to the circadian rhythm, but not everybody. Like I like to go to bed at like seven 30 or eight o'clock, but other people do better if they go to bed at like 11 and like what feels good in your own body. And you do, do you have any sort of space in your own life to experiment and if you don't, would it be possible or would you want to get creative with opening up a little space to be kind of experiment, experiment with what feels good to you? Yes. Um, I think I, I have a little, and then it kind of falls by the wayside and I, I kind of get sucked back into, um, you know, so I mean, kind of along those lines, I listened to that podcast. You you sent it to me. Um, was it Huberman Lab? Probably. Or whatever. I love that guy. Yeah. About was sleeping. it about sleep? Yes. Yeah. And so I actually experimented with dimming all the lights in our house and not using any screens um, after, say, like nine o'clock or whatever. And mm-hmm. it totally helped. It totally worked. Um, and I did it for maybe like two weeks. And then I <laughs> completely stopped doing it again. Yeah. Because you just cycled <laughs> out of that. And that's okay. Cause I had stuff to get done. <laughs> um, yeah. So, you know. but that's what an experiment is, right? Yeah. Like we've all done biology where we've had to write up those stupid reports where it's like, Oh, here's the intervention. This is what I noticed. You get data from that. And then maybe you go back to the old way and then you get data from that. And then you try something new and you get data from that. And it's like, not a problem. If you're like, oh, I'm just going to be getting data all the time and like not judge yourself for it, for if you don't keep up this strict schedule. I I did. You just brought up, I just, I'm realizing that I have a very much all or nothing thinking and I I get into that mode. And you saying that just made me realize that that's one of the, the issues, you know, like 
getting to the finish line, getting, mm-hmm. you know, this is, and, and it, it all revolves around and definitely all or nothing, you know, comparison, perfectionism, all those things, you know, yeah. just because of the way I'm doing it right now, doesn't, if it's not perfect, it doesn't matter. <laughs> That's really good information. Yeah. So it sounds like that could be an area where you could do your, you know, your reflections and your self-coaching around that, you know, perfectionist tendencies and then the all or nothing, which another way we talk about that is like black or white thinking. It's classic for us. Um, And it's really interesting to kind of like just get curious about that and then slowly but surely the more you kind of dig into it and kind of like, um, what's the right word? Like, um, not destroy, but like, um, starts with a D clearly my, uh, expressive aphasia hasn't healed yet from starting hormone therapy. Um, dismantle, dismantle, like that belief around the perfectionism. Yes. I, I would love to be more comfortable with the in-between, mm-hmm. you know? Um, cause like I'll have a day where I'm tired or a week where I'm getting worn out and I'll feel like I just need to hundred percent change my life. And I probably don't need to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, but what you just said just there was so beautiful. Cause like you already came up with your own wisdom. It's like, oh yeah, I probably don't need to. I I totally understand why I'm doing black or white thinking. I completely understand it. And then here's what we're doing now. We're going to practice a little bit of in between. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. I literally like talk to myself like this as if I'm a separate human (laughs) and (laughs) and we're like a we, (laughs) because it takes being that directional to be like, yeah, I know you're, it's like, okay we do the black and white thing and we're practicing this other thing at the same time. Yeah, that makes sense. And this is similar to the first thing we talked about with, um, with I'm now I'm forgetting who it was magic confetti. Um, like these things just can all exist at the same time. Like our brains Mm -hmm. have the capacity for it all to kind of just exist at the same time. And it just is interesting to understand how we're usually so laser focused only on one way, but there is this bigger capacity and all it takes to access that is intention. So you have the awareness, which is like step number one, and then once you have awareness, it's like, okay, now I don't need to judge myself for it because it's actually not a problem. It just is a way to think. And now I can practice this other thing and it can all happen at the same time. And then there's this famous um, Holocaust survivor named Edith Egger. And she says, we are all the thesis, the antithesis and synthesis all at once, which I think is such a beautiful way to describe it because it literally is all existing at the same time. Yeah. And I think that's a new, um, place to be. Mm -hmm. I'm so glad. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Well, thank you for bringing that to us. Watermelon mist. Mm -hmm. Um, I will go ahead and then lower your hand and we'll just disable the talking here. We've got about 15 more minutes while I um, just throw it out there. If anybody else wants to have some coaching. Um, I'm going to rename some folks. Oh, here we go. Um. Here we go. Here we go. Allow to talk. Hi. Hello. How are you today? I'm all right. How are you? Doing well. Thank you so much. What's on your mind? Yeah. So um, 
I'm actually, I'm pretty new to this group and part of the impetus to join is that, um, it's been a pretty tough year for me. Um, I think partly just the COVID pandemic kind of dragging on, but also just a lot of kind of personal and professional, um, issues. Um, but I think kind of when it really came to a head is when I actually had a medical scare back in May. Um, and I had an arrhythmia and I'm Mm. otherwise like very active and healthy, like not on any medications, like thought of myself as super healthy. So that was kind of a big scare. Mm -hmm. Um, and now I have like, you know, four additional doctors to follow up with. And, um, so it's just been a lot to process. Um, and so I think it is kind of, um, you know, on the one hand, the good news is like right now I'm overall like doing fine. Um, Mm -hmm. but there's still like some workup, um, that I need to do. And I'm kind of in the midst of just a lot of uncertainty of like what it will mean moving forward. Um, and part of it is that it can actually be um, potentially worsened by like really intense physical activity, which is usually my outlet. Um, Mm. so that's been tough, like not knowing, like, is what I'm doing? Okay. Is it not okay? Um, and not knowing like what it'll mean for the next five years, 10 years, et cetera. Um, so it's just been kind of a roller coaster. Um, and then kind of also knowing, Hey, stress might contribute, you know, stress doesn't help. So I'm also trying to do what I can just to make sure to, tamp down kind of any stressors. And I actually have a wonderful work environment, um, which I'm very, very thankful for, but, um, I do practice in a very demanding and stressful surgical subspecialty. So I'm also Mm -hmm. very acutely aware that just the work in and of itself, even in a very positive, very collegial environment can add to the stressors. So Mm -hmm. just kind of I think what I could use most is just some help with how to deal with the uncertainty Mm. of, of, you know, a medical diagnosis or kind of a situation um, moving forward. Cause I think that's what I'm having the toughest time with. Yeah. Thank you for bringing that to the group. Um, Because I think this is something that a lot of us face and it's interesting how, as women surgeons in particular, we are like really, um, oh, what was I, it's like our own health has been put like on the back burner for so much of our like focus. I mean, I personally didn't even have a pap smear for like seven years, Um, It's just like, it doesn't, it's just not like at the top of our list of things to do. And then you like combine that with somebody like yourself, who's a physically fit and active person. And like that, I can just see how all of this has been really intense for you. So I'm like, I'm sorry that you've had to go through it all. I really (laughs) am. I think it can be like existentially kind of like a, uh, an issue too. It's like, yeah, something like an arrhythmia that seems elusive and, you know, so anyway, what I'm, I'm not doing yeah. a very good job here, but what I'm trying to say is <laughs> okay. I'm really sorry that you've had to go through all of that. So, yeah. um, and the uncertainty, the feeling of uncertain is an important one to discuss because the human brain hates uncertainty so much that it would rather create all of these false and negative and super catastrophic potential outcomes and then lock onto that and live in that because that's how much it doesn't like the uncertainty of things maybe even working out. Totally. And I, and I did like, I, I actually had, I had an imaging study and of course I looked at the results, you know, before, mm-hmm. like as soon as they were available and of course, you know, tried to do some intelligent, like journal, journal looking, you know, looking at journals and stuff like that. And then just got it in my head that things were so much worse than they were. Mm-hmm. And, you know, thank goodness, like my electrophysiologist, like I, I told him, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so thankful that you told me that like, it actually turns out that, um, 
like the way that you measure things on like an echo versus an MRI are Mm -hmm. totally different, even though it's the same (laughs) measurement. So I was like comparing apples and oranges. And so I talked to him about how I'd just totally gotten all up in my head. Like, oh my gosh, I'm like off the curve in terms of how bad this is. Mm-hmm. And he was like, don't worry about it. And he was great. Like I have to, and I feel very thankful in so many ways. Like I have an amazing team. Um, my OB is my primary care and she has actually like, she set me up with kind of all of the right subspecialists, mm-hmm. subspecialists. So I'm very, very thankful for that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I find it still very easy to like go down the rabbit hole. Um, I yeah. was so depressed like all weekend before meeting with the electrophysiologist because I was convinced that things were going to be terrible and that I was going to end up with like some kind of like chronic, you know, chronic heart condition and become this like CHF patient. And it's so unreasonable <laughs> to decide that. But in my head, it was like you said, you just want to go down the road of like what the outcome will be and have right. some definitive thing in mind. That's so, exactly right. right. Yeah. Yeah. It, it Whereas your... Then I met with the EP and he was like, you're totally healthy. Like, you know, totally. This is great. You know, these results are great. This mm-hmm. is what we expected and nothing more. And I was like, okay, good. You know, this is what I needed here. Yeah. So it's, I mean, it's true. So your brain's going to brain. And that's what they do is they make up bad shit because it doesn't like uncertainty at all. So can you, if I put health, you know, health problem in the C line, what is it that, what's the thought that's coming up? That's creating the uncertainty for you. I think the, the thought is, um, what does this mean for my activity? I think like my physical activity, which is my outlet and kind of how I define myself. Yeah. And so, so if we would rephrase that question as a statement, would it be something yeah. like, I, I don't know what this means for my physical activity outlet? Yeah. Or, or, um, I'm not sure if I will still have my outlet. Okay. Or even, I'm not sure how I would define myself outside of that. I mean, and clearly I'm still a surgeon. I'm still a mom. But I think a big part of my definition of me is somebody that also works really hard and is competitive with my athletics. So this is so great because this information is important. It's like, not just, will I have my outlet? Will I be me? Yeah. Like it's an identity challenge. It's a total identity challenge. Um, so there is such an invitation here to like explore what it means to be you and all the different definitions that we all kind of come up with. And it's so fascinating that surgeon's not taught for you. I'm sure it's up there, but it's it's like, yeah, yeah, it's not, I wouldn't say it's top. It's definitely up there. Um, and, and I don't think being a runner is my number one definition. I think it's my number one definition in terms of something outside of my, I think outside of being a mother surgeon, it is the other top way that I would define myself. So in terms of an extracurricular way to define myself. So this is so great for the group because this helps us introduce the idea of the self-concept and the way in which we kind of um, construct our self-concept and it's really nice to be able to identify, okay, I identify as this, or I identify as that, and then see what other ways you could identify yourself. It's almost like diversifying your portfolio. And then once we see that our self-concept is really built on a lot of different things, it can lessen the blow to think about if this one main thing is going to be compromised in some way. But that's not where I really wanted to go with this model. I just wanted to insert that as an aside for people, if they're going to be start thinking about their own self-concept. So if the real thought is, is I don't know if I'll be me if I can't run. Yeah. And you feel uncertain. And then what do you do when you feel uncertain? Because this is the fuel that then drives your actions. So I definitely close myself off. Like from your husband or from colleagues or yeah, from my husband more, I, I try to, I try not to close myself off to my daughter. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but definitely I close myself off to my husband. Sometimes I'll close myself off at work, but more in a, not so much when it comes to patient care, but more in terms of like the other personal interactions, like I'll Mm -hmm. tend to not be my bubbly personable self Mm -hmm. once we're not discussing patient care. That's interesting. And then you mentioned checking results. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And, Um, and at one point getting, going way down the rabbit hole of, of reading journal articles and trying to educate myself. And luckily I've, I've pulled back from that. Yeah. I think that was an early, that was an early response. Yeah. Inventing negative futures. I think the most important thing, what you said first is I closed myself off. So in the results or actions, then we'll kind of like create a result and the result will always then tie back in some way to the original thought. And it's almost like, I don't know if I'll be me and I'm uncertain. So I'm going to go ahead and start to kind of like pull back from these relationships and so you're basically not showing up as the real you. It's like you're already living in those moments as yeah. not you. Yep. That's so interesting. And there's even, you know, what's what's even a little different is um, my my husband has gone through something similar, but for different reasons. Mm-hmm. And I think it almost makes it harder in some ways because he, he actually has always sacrificed um, because he was, he's also always been active and recently he's had some injuries and he has also kind of traditionally sacrificed um, on my behalf um, because he's, he's um, a wonderful person, but a little too self-sacrificial in that way. Mm -hmm. Um, And so he's gone through like multiple years where he feels like he has lost his sense of self because he's not a runner anymore because of injury and focusing on work and family, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Um, And so then now I'm going through it and I think it makes it doubly hard. Um, But there's also a little part of me that resents because I'm like, well, I might not be able to do it because of health reasons. Whereas you at least have some possibility of like being able to push really hard and, and be competitive in the future if these other things kind of sort themselves out. Not that it's his fault, but there's a little part of me that almost like wants to compare, which is also never a good thing. Yeah. So that is all normal. Um, it's just your brain's way of making sense of this thing that's going on, which is a tough thing. Yeah. And here's what I find like supremely fascinating about the whole thing is like you had this arrhythmia and so you're aware of it and it's like of course it's normal and human to put all of your brain focus on it and what this arrhythmia means for you your life your you know your future and all that stuff but it's really an illusion that any of us ever has any control or certainty for anything ever which is nuts. Right. But, but we're not like sitting around paralyzed in fear. And I'm not saying you're paralyzed in fear, but we're not like, we're living our lives. We're moving on. There are people who don't like people who have such high anxiety that they can't drive on the freeway and stuff, but like literally none of us is promised the next the next moment ever. Yep. Yeah. But we're not aware of it. We're not consciously thinking of it. So it doesn't pose a problem to us. So really it's like, oh, you mean like I could be hit by a bus tomorrow and then that would just like wipe me out and now it's all done. I'm not, I'm getting a little morbid here, but it's just illustrating this idea that it's because you have this awareness and it's because now, of course, your brain's going to focus on it because your brain just wants to keep you safe. It's doing what it's supposed to do, but now you're living either, you know, thinking about, it sounds like really thinking about and living in, in a situation where your experience is, is you've already lost yourself. Yeah. And I also, I, I 
do have a couple of very close friends. One is a one is a mentor. One is a close friend, my matron of honor, who's who have actually have have had devastating things um, mm-hmm. to their health, which I think yeah. you know does bring it into perspective. Um, one of them is a high level spinal cord injury, um, mm. so he's not able to operate, not able to you know he's a he's a C four level for you know so basically not able yeah. to do anything. Um, and that was my mentor. Um, mm. and that was during, during COVID, um, oh, actually right before COVID, right before COVID. Yeah. So, mm. um, so that, you know, that's hard. And then my matron of honor has like a mitochondrial disorder that's going to be fatal probably in the near future. So like, oh, meanwhile, I look at it and I'm like, well, what am I complaining about? Like, I'm still able to run. I'm just not racing and not, you know, constantly worrying about kind of, you know, oh, am I training too hard? Do I need to worry about my heart rate? You know, keeping my mileage down, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And so part of me is like, well, this is silly. Like, meanwhile, these other two people have very certain, you know, current situations and futures. Um, So I think there's a lot of. That's self-judgment, right? Coming along with it. That's, I mean, then it's like heaping on self-judgment on top of it. Be like, well, I'm not as sick as these other people. And so I don't have any right to be complaining or feeling poorly about any of the situation right now. And that's just not true. Like with, with these events and traumas and whatnot, like there is no comparison because it is your one unique life that you're experiencing. And so then like having the judgment of yourself on top of that's just going to make it all worse. And it sounds like you already know all that. Yes. Um, so the question is, and we're close to the end of the hour, but I'd like to stay on and yeah. to hopefully bring this to some kind of like a resolution or a, or a, a point that you can continue to work with on your own. Um, yeah. What is it that you would like to experience? Now, given the fact that you have this arrhythmia, what is it in your life that you would like to be experiencing? Like what feeling or what result would you like to be experiencing? I think that I would like to be content with kind of what my status ends up being, whatever that is. And I think obviously that wraps in with uncertainty because there it will be hard to do. It will be hard to be content with current status until I know what current status means. But I think at least maybe even content with the uncertainty, you know, or content with, Hey, this is where I'm at right now. Yeah. And that's fine. And I'll know more in the future. There you go. That's right. It's like, how do you allow the uncertainty? Yeah. And live in the moment. Hmm. So what would you need to think to feel that way? If you could summarize it, you said it just now, but I think you could probably like. Um, that, that I can basically be content with living where I am in the moment and the future will be what it is. Yeah. In times like this, when our brains are kind of like not quite there, what I like to add to it is it's possible. It's possible to, oh my gosh, live in the moment. I think you said live in the moment. Yeah. Or like it's it's possible to live with uncertainty. And sometimes just allowing yourself that little phrase of it's possible and practicing that can just help your kind of like your clutches around the uncertainty, because right now your brain hates it so much that it just wants to hang on to it so bad and like do all the negative things. But if you're just like, wait, it's possible. It's possible to get used to uncertainty. It's possible to pivot. I'm sure you've had to pivot lots of times in your life. I'm sure you've had to think on your feet for lots of clinical situations and lots of surgical situations. I'm sure there's tons of evidence where you've kind of had to face something and then had to kind of like figure it out. Is that fair to say that you figured things out before? Yep. Yep.
So I'm just adding these as extra thoughts that you might then go to again, like I'm just reiterating from the first two people we talked to about how we don't necessarily make the default thing go away because that's just our natural protective mechanism at play. And it really doesn't pose a problem unless it's kind of interrupting our lives in some way. And so like when you notice that you're kind of in the uncertainty and you're doing things that aren't working for you, whether it's with your husband or, or Googling or whatever, then you can just gently have compassion for yourself and be like, oh yeah, I thank you. You're like, you're protecting me again. I get this. This is, I just find it so awesome that we know how to protect ourselves. at such a high level that it works every single time. And it's like, oh, okay. But then it's also possible that I can learn to live with this uncertainty or I can learn to navigate this and figure it out. And then hopefully those thoughts will help you produce contentment in the moment and which will shift your energy and then allow you to kind of show up as a different person. My guess is more in alignment with who you really are. Does that make sense? It does. Okay. Well, thank you so much. And then please, I mean, we're just like scratching the surface on some of these things. So if anybody (laughs) wants to come back, if this goes for everyone. If you ever want to come back and like bring it back to another session, we can pick it up right where we left off. And in the meantime, I hope everybody's practicing this sort of like understanding and coming to terms with our default models and understanding that there's really nothing is going wrong with these default thoughts and feelings. It's just one part of our existence. And then we have this other thing, this other, these other parts of our existence that are available all simultaneously. And we're just working out how to be more flexible to move between them. All right. Thank you guys. Have a great rest of your night. We'll see you next time. Thank you. Mm-hmm.